is a country beyond that which is known to humankind. A stray country. A country that exists west of October. Whose borders are somewhere between midnight train whistles and the distant hell of a dog. A country that lies somewhere in the stitched and jittering static between radio stations. A country that drifts through America like a traveling salesman. But every now and then stops to nest on a small town. A small church. A single street. And maybe, just maybe, some kind of delayed radio broadcast you've stuffed in your ears. Chapter 20 All Because No One Ever Cried Machine The boys jumped half an inch to high school. Jesus, Jack cussed. The box of condoms fell. The nine condom long train slid across the floor. There stood the janitor. There, the caterpillar of condoms in the middle of the hall. The boys cringed to see it. The secret thing out in the open. It didn't seem right. Men had grown up from apes who did the naked monkey dance in the open public jungles, but had not pulled themselves half as high as angels who had no need for sex at all. And so men were here in the middle, halfway between ape and angel, not wanting to admit to the sex, but not wanting to give it up either. And so in practice to become angels, the deed was done behind closed doors. Yes, something no Christian would admit to publicly but something no pew-sitter could give up privately. Yes, Pastor Phillips had said it, hadn't he? Some sermon, some Sunday. And men are just practicing down in dustland to become angels, and so part of the practice is to take sex and call it love. And that's part of the wagon trail up to angel-making. And the first step to not needing it at all is not needing it in the open. The janitor didn't seem to notice or care, like a still-wrapped train of condoms was the least mess he'd mopped and broomed. But there he stood, holding his mop, no bucket in sight, Lip dangling his unlit cigarette. No match in hand. A shock of white hair. A stroke of white beard. Looking at the boys with a look what two boys just couldn't read. Because they could tell you it wasn't the look what said, what the hell's wrong with you. Nor was it the look that said, you're in big trouble, kids. It wasn't a look what said time to call your parents, and it wasn't a look what said time to think about what you've done. The boys couldn't read the old man's face. 
It had the writing of the world all over it. Graffiti from the long turn on the big blue marble. Yes, a face being pulled into the grave one planetary twirl at a time. But the boys couldn't read a damn thing. It might have well have been scratches made by chickens in the dirt. And it was awful scratched by time. He dragged his cigarette. No smoke came out. It was not lit. He walked to the window. Looked out like there was something to see. But the suburban movie theater had faded to black. He sucked his dry cigarette and watched the silhouette leaves chatter in the month of wind. You boys go to church. His horror film voice sounded strange saying the word. Jack nodded his head. The man nodded like he had known it all along. Dragged old-fashioned vanilla oxygen through his smokerette. I bet when Lucifer hit the ground, it felt real good. To not be in love with God anymore. To not have to walk on clouds. But to have the heft and weight of the whole goddamn earth meeting his foot and holding it in place. I bet it felt good to be alone. To wake up and raise his own rebel angels. And not have to rely on the man who builds and adjusts halos. He sucked static government brand air, pumped into junior highs across the country through his filter for the world. His hair took paleness from his cigarette. Some men just waiting to fall from heaven. Already told God goodbye, packed their bags with enough sin to get to earth in a hurry and leave a big crater just waiting for gravity to show up like a train. Outside, the cold November ground was swept with the broom of dead leaves. If only it ran on time. His lungs throttled the cigarette like a motorcycle. There just wasn't any gas in it. But sin has a way of showing up after the fact. Runs late. Makes it so by the time you see Sin shambling across the rooftops. It's hard to know what thing or things you and mankind did to give it twelve pairs of legs. The boys could feel the ticking at thirty-three different classroom clocks. They're not ours, Jack said. We weren't going to use them. The janitor looked at the centipede of wrapped-up sperm catchers, seemed to see them for the first time. The man cleared a throat broiled in the ovens of Philip Morris. A problem with candy like that is the wrappers. See, garbage is a new type of shadow. 
used to be once upon a time in Europe, we were just figuring out how to kill deer and pick berries. Those ancestors of ours had a shadow that made sense. Some black stamp that always showed up on the other side of the sun. Something that let early man know he was anchored to the goddamn earth. And what could feel better than no one in this universe of motion where our planet is falling around the sun and the sun is falling down through space and space is blowing up into existence. Yes, it's awful nice to know that you're moored to something. So that shadow was the most important thing gave men could see. And seeing that shadow and realizing what it meant and knowing it was some kind of literary suit that promised it would be there tomorrow is what let man start thinking about tomorrow. And do you know what happens when a man starts thinking about tomorrow? The boys blinked. The janitor kept talking. Like the boys had said, keep going. He starts building a better day. Slow at first, Keith paintings, scratching rocks, realizes that when it's storming or snowing out, a cave or big tree helps shelter you from the spitting clouds. And those cave paintings start looking better. And those scratch marks in the rocks start making sense. And those cavemen start putting branches together. And before you know it, they've built buildings like this one. And they're teaching kids how to read and write and draw. And even if it's the month of rain out, it doesn't bother the kid while he's inside. And it all started by one caveman seeing his shadow one day and realizing that it was his. And that meant he was anchored to the dirt. And that meant he would be here tomorrow. The wind blew outside. The boys blinked. The janitor dragged and talked. We don't have shadows like we used to. Used to be shadows were just things between you and the sun. You and the moon, maybe. But now... It's all mixed up. You've got fluorescence in buildings like this, shooting so much light everywhere, it's hard to see your shadow, let alone know you have one. Incandescence mocking the sun. Pretty good parodies. But we don't stop at just one, like the sun, which lets you know where your anchor is. You ever step outside at 3.33 on a summer day and have trouble finding your shadow? Of course not. It might as well be cattle branded on the earth. But once Edison showed up, we got drunk on the parlor trick of a light. Couldn't stop at just one. And now, go home, turn on the lights, and try to find your shadow. And he can't. Because you have half a shadow going south from this light bulb and half a shadow going north from that light bulb. We throw light bulbs out in our houses 
like a type of grenade, and they blow our shadows to smithereens, and we're left staring at the shrapnel-shredded silk of dead shadows like a broken puzzle we can't put back together. And no one ever tries. I'm not even sure they see the pieces anymore. Go home and flick on a switch, and the light bulb gun fires so thick you have to light a cigarette just to get clean air. The boys blinked. The janitor's cigarette-slurred speech went on. So, somewhere between the time our caveman ancestors built the first ranch-style house and bustle ovens in our homes, our shadows started to fade away. Then Edison came along and juiced up our homes with the singing song of electricity and our pulse on our own shadows dimmed even more. And that leaves us with today. The man continued to look out the window like today was out there to see. But today was long gone. There was only... Tonight. Today, where are we? His cigarette rolled to the far side of his mouth. We can't see our shadows anymore. Haven't for years. And you two are young enough, you probably don't even know what a shadow is. But something in our bones misses that anchor to the world, doesn't it? And somewhere along the way, we figured we could leave something else behind. In place of a shadow. Something that made us feel like we stood on the earth. And that thing was garbage. Candy wrappers and cigarette boxes and jugs of milk and glass bottles and cereal boxes and white plastic sacks. The boys blinked. The man heard the blink, but did not understand the question. Kept talking. Yes, here we are today. More disconnected from the goddamn planet than man's ever been, and trying as hard as we can to find something that sticks. So we keep making and throwing things out. Drinking and throwing away, eating and tossing out, wearing and buying again. Why do you think there's so much garbage out there? Has less to do with man's appetites and more to do with man's anxiety to feel anchored to anything. And here we stand, smack dab in the middle of this bourgeois bazaar of badly spoiled dreams trying to drive stakes in the house that looks like a hundred million other American houses just to feel rooted. Yes, here we stand in this century of bargains galore, madcap and hell-bent on collecting all the plastic things with devil-may-care desperation, not realizing plastic is the fabric of nothing. We've overdosed on warm lights, glutted ourselves on good towns, safe streets, Fast food chain churches put out by the Corporation for Public Pulpit Bounding. 
They used to say all roads lead to Rome, but I've walked the suburban streets at night. Haven't you ever noticed? They don't go anywhere. Yes, across the country to nightlight cities, towns, and mere piston-breast poster-board villages begging for the mercy of a gunshot death. This is a century of ink and stenciled men. We'd cry from the hills, but the hills are gone. On the horizon is only photocopied puppets masquerading as homes. God, we can't even use the word anymore. Home. No, because home means things we don't got anymore, so we call them houses. Because at some point we realized home was a lie. That home meant it was something to commit to, something to promise to your children and their children, a synonym for marriage, really. And that home was a word that cavemen had invented when they first saw their own shadows, a term pioneered by loincloth men when they could stop following the herd and plant seeds. And we didn't like being tied down and tethered, especially since America was all about going west and stock growth. And so, some genius raised on Main Street moved to Wall Street said, why not call them houses? Because a house sounds the same, but it's not the same thing. You don't have to care about a house, because homes... I like people, but houses are like commodities. The man didn't blink, didn't suck unlit tobacco. All because no one ever cried machine. The boys blinked, nine seconds passed. The boys blinked again. The sweeper of schools looked to prim and proper houses on the other side of the window like he was watching an old silent film, something no one understood anymore. You sure do talk a lot, Jack leaked. Not sure why. Actually, the man whispered. I rarely talk at all. Talking implies you have someone to... His words slurred to a stop. He watched the silent movie again. The school felt quiet once more. Quiet as shut books, as closed libraries, as abandoned movie theater organs. Nine seconds passed. I, um, guess we better get home. Jack said. The man nodded, did not take his eyes from the silent theater window of outside November. Nine more seconds passed. Twelve. 
Two boys looked to each other. Two boys shifted their bodies to go. The janitor's hand jerked in the air, palm out, fingers outstretched, some universal sign language slang to say stop, don't move. The boys stopped. They did not move. The janitor's eyes were searching the dark, the movie screen from the month of morgues. The window. He'd been searching. He'd seen something. Some thing. Some late visitor or night wanderer. Millie could tell. The janitor's eyes were just like he imagined his own eyes looked after seeing a spider in his own bed. And Billy wanted to say what? What is it? What did you see or thought you saw? But Billy did not say anything. He didn't say one of those things, but watched the janitor's eyes. This man who knew garbage as good as his own father knew dollar bills. Billy watched the vigilant eyes of this crackerjack of junk. This balm reader of dust. This teabag tassiomancer. This prophet of passed away plastic. His eyes said, Something in the wind tonight. The same eyes tried to read the wind, but the wind is a type of specter, and the sun had long gone to bed, and so the man stood in the dark, trying to read an invisible book named Wind. Something in the wind at night, said his eyes. Something. Something. Something in the wind at night. His eyes did not blink. The boys watching this watchdog did not blink. I thought I... The boys listened to the words, licked out the side of a mouth still clamped on a marble red. What, thought Billy, what did you think? But Billy was too shivery to say a thing. Thought I saw. The man's lungs pumped slowly on the celibate smokerette. Uh, his mouth formed a G, maybe a GH, but it stopped short of O. Steered clear of ST, did not finish the word, did not say ghost. Veered right. Skidded around a corner, careened into a new word. Just a plastic sack. And Billy wanted to say, aren't they the same thing? Straight country, it's scribbled and scratched up by me, Nicky Ink. The shallow tide of sound is done up by my brother. Come back to the country. Bring a friend. Shout about it from the steeples. 
shotgun your voice to the far reaches of your phone. Ties and offerings can be proffered on my Patreon. Find directions at streetcountry.com. See you in the country.